You said you'd come. Now let's hope you're not too late. the Suicide Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and small screens, so we want to make sure we talk about all of it. So thanks for joining us tonight, and let's get started. My name is Tim. And I'm Scott, and we are the Suicide Squadcast. So Tim, you know, I guess we just got to get this announcement out of the way that we are a member of the Suicide Squadcast network. I think our name and the title kind of gave that one away. (laughs) I would think so. You would think. Uh, We are on a network with three other shows. Fans Without Borders and DC TV Squadcast, both both hosted by Ray and Brent. And then also the DC Comics Squadcast, hosted by Chris and George. So we hope that if General Geek stuff, the DCCW, or Justice League comic book titles are kind of in your wheelhouse, that you'll go and check out those other guys on their shows. Yeah, definitely. Those guys are doing a great job. And I know you always give me a ration of crap about not being caught up on their shows, but I listened to the shows this past week, so. Ah, oh, very good. Hey, I, can't, I got no room. I'm 19 episodes behind on DC Comics Squadcast. <laughs> it's kind of sad. Oh, no, it's fine. But boy, those guys are really hit a stride. I mean, they just had their 50th episode, so congratulations. I know! Fantastic! Congratulations, guys. You guys have been fantastic. I think they, they've done like 50 episodes in, in a little bit, just maybe like a, a year and a few days. So, very consistent over there. So, congratulations, guys. And in Fans Without Borders is really <laughs> it's becoming a fun show to listen to. Oh, it becoming? It's always been a fun show to listen to. I mean, I just hate the fact that they're going to do their Thor Ragnarok review this weekend, and I haven't seen Thor yet, so that's one of those that's going to stay in the queue for a while. Yeah, okay. All right, well, let's uh, let's get on with this. So, guys, if you feel like we deserve it, leave us a written review on iTunes, and you'll be part of our DC Trade Paperback giveaway. And we give away a DC Trade Paperback for every 10 positive written reviews we get on iTunes. And we got two of them this week, Scott. Yes, the first one comes from D. Winship, entitled Fun, Enthusiastic, and a Bit Sarcastic Take on the DCEU. One of the better comic pop culture podcasts i found. The Squadcast is focused on the DC Comics movies and the circus of questionable journalism that often surrounds them. The conversation always flows well, and I particularly like that the episodes are longer when there's a lot going on and shorter when it's a slow news week. Check it out. Well, Dean Winship, thanks. I mean, if there's a slow news week, there's not a lot to talk about. Yep. We don't want to just fill it up with fluff. No. We we have have lives. (laughs) That is true. And uh, so thank you very much for that. And our second review comes from Overbeast, and it's titled, I Need Friends and Found Some Here. And Overbeast says, I love, love, love the show. I feel like I'm in the room geeking out about my childhood dreams coming to life through the DCEU and have found friends in Tim and Scott. If you want fair and fun analysis of DCEU news delivered via a relaxed conversation, you've come to the right place. Definitely subscribe. Definitely. Definitely subscribe. Definitely Definitely subscribe. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. So guys, you are contestants number, I guess, six and seven. Six and seven. Yeah, we got three more. We got three more reviews away from our next giveaway. I'm still shooting for, I'm still shooting for Justice League giveaway. That's really, you know, on our Justice League review show. Yeah, because we are almost, we are almost to 300 ratings and reviews on iTunes. Yeah. So, we'd love to break that before um, our Justice League review show in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think we're at, what, 294? Yeah, because remember, we're going to go see Justice League Thursday slash Friday, so that weekend that it comes out, we will be posting our review of Justice League, the movie. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be awesome. So, guys, another thing we want to mention to you, 
we have now opened up a Patreon account. And what that basically means is, you know, we want to be a fan-supported community here. We want to be a fan-supported podcast. And if you feel like, and if you're able to, you can contribute to this show. And if you go to www.patreon.com slash squadcastmedia, or you could just go to Patreon and search for Squadcast, one word, uh, you can find our show. And we had set up a bunch of different tiers, Scott. And we have basically a $1, a $3, a $5, a $10, and a $25 tier. Well, what's what's the news on a 10 and a $25 tiers? Bye-bye. They're gone. <laughs> People snatched those up in that first week, and we really appreciate it. It's really nice of you guys, and you know we, we look forward to your support over the next year. But what we'd like to talk about tonight is the $5 a month, which, you know, that's that's to support all of our shows. So that's about 16 to 20 shows a month. For the price of a cup of coffee, or a, an issue of metal, <laughs> a month, you will be eligible for exclusive content on a private RSS feed, where we will just be dropping content that, you know, B-roll audio that doesn't make it into the show, maybe some inappropriate stories. <laughs> I think Tim finally released that infamous edited B-roll in its unedited form. Which I said I would never do. And, and everyone has their price. Tim found his. <laughs> That's also known as Tim's sausage story. Oh, <laughs> you need... It's worth $5 <laughs> just to hear that. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. The things I do. Yeah, well. And another cool thing that we're starting that's going to be exclusive to Patreon subscribers at that $5 and up level is Movie Squadcast, a, res- a retrospective comic book movie review show. Uh, now, Tim, Brent, and Ray... And Chris. And Chris. He jumped yes. on there too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you didn't know that. I didn't know that. Well, yeah. I wasn't there. It was the four of us. It was the four of us. Oh, oh it was, and it was awesome. They reviewed Blade, 1998's Blade with Wesley Snipes. So that's going to be dropping in the Patreon feed probably about mid next week. Tim's got to produce that. Yeah. And Tim and I are already talking that the next episode is us talking about George Reeves' first appearance as Superman in Superman and the Mole Men. Oh, that's going to be a fun one. Oh, yeah. We're going to be bouncing back between more modern comic book movies and vintage comic book movies. So Kind of in order, too. Kind of in order, too, yeah. So if that's something you're interested in, head on over to Patreon. If you can donate $5 a month, we'd appreciate it. It helps keep the lights on around this network, and we hope to see you there and all the interesting content we're going to be rolling out over the next year. Yep, very good. So thank you very much, and thank you guys for who have already are contributing. Uh, we just can't thank you enough for what you're helping to do with this network. We're a little flabbergasted at this point about the amount of support we've gotten so far. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Yeah, so let's get on to some news here. You know what? I got to tell you, Scott, I really like James Gunn. I, you know what? I love the first Guardians movie. I'm kind of with Ray on the second Guardians movie, to be honest with you. But as a person, I have no qualms with James Gunn. No. I mean, he has been a stand-up guy. I love his interactions with Jeff Johns that we've talked about on the show before. Yeah. And I actually found this Twitter thread he started last weekend, and I I even tweeted it out. I was like, here's some mature discussion. And it started off with a tweet that said, every time I mention anything DC, no matter what, my feed becomes an endless screaming match about BVS. Next tweet. You guys are never going to convince each other. It's just a bunch of wasted energy. At le- three. At least when you're screaming at each other about Trump, it's something of international importance. <laughs> Four. Because it's a two-year-old movie that some people like and some people don't. Why is someone else's opinion so important to you? And then five. As Marvel and DC super fans, you have way more in common with each other than you do with the rest of the world. Six. So why do you spend so much time raging at each other? It's silly. Please just stop it. Stop engaging in that way. Seven. By... 
but at the very least, when you do, untag me. I've muted a lot of you guys, but not all. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I love this. And we just definitely need more of this. And the the I think the most important point of anything that he said there is, you know, as Marvel and DC f- super fans, you have way more in common with each other than you do with the rest of the world. And that's absolutely true. Guys, we're the nerds. Yes. We're the geeks. <laughs> when did we stop being united? <laughs> I know. I know. You know, and the reality is it's the sad thing about this is it's it's a very loud vocal super minority that raises all this stink yes it is and i and i think this is just a message and that's why i want to you know kind of lead off with this thing it's just a message that we always have to remind ourselves you know we can like all of these things you know we can like all of these different you know geek outlets and james gunn is just you know he's just being a great voice and uh, i just hope we see a lot more of that from a lot of these filmmakers i agree i agree and i've and i've actually i actually met someone who worked with james gunn and guardians of the galaxy too and he's as big of a nerd as you so i mean i really appreciate hearing him trying to be a voice of reason out there on the internet yeah even if the people who commented on his thread were not so reasonable yeah so okay well we wanted to lead off with something positive was kind of have to talk about something that's uh, just unfortunate yeah well just disgusting i mean it's more it's like ever since the harvey weinstein sexual uh, assault allegations have come out it has just opened up this scab of all this crap that's been going on in hollywood apparently for years or decades possibly and it's kind of given people the the courage they needed to come out to share other things and and all kinds of people are you know coming to light about their behavior yeah and i would say it's not just hollywood this thing extends far beyond hollywood it's basically extending to uh any kind of area where we have people in positions of power yes and this couldn't happen soon enough i mean this is just something that uh, this is like one of these things that has just been out there for the longest time and now because of the harvey weinstein allegations and revelations uh you're actually getting a lot more people having the courage to come out and so again this is somebody else that is in a position of power and we're talking about brent ratner and let's just give you a little idea who brent ratner is for this is kind of like the inside baseball side of things brent ratner is uh one of two people that's part of rat pack entertainment and originally brent ratner formed rat pack entertainment with james packer and you know hence that created the name rat pack well what they basically do is is they work out deals with major studios and in this case they're very heavily involved with Warner Brothers and they basically finance films and so they basically put the money up and uh, they kind of basically help finance these big tentpole productions. I mean you've seen their logo. You, you've seen their logo at the front of almost every Warner Brothers movie you've ever seen. Right. In, 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 since 2013. Yeah. Well and so that's the thing. So like since 2013 they've had a deal with Warner Brothers and I think the number that I saw is they're basically financing about 25% of Warner Brothers films right now. And just to give you an idea of what some of these films have included, uh, Gravity, The Lego Movie, Annabelle, American Sniper, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, The Conjuring 2, Lights Out, Suicide Squad, The Lego Batman Movie, Kong, Skull Island, Wonder Woman, and Justice League, and also the recent movie It. And there's also some upcoming films as well. So very much heavily involved in basically financing all these major tentpole films. And so they were even involved with The Revenant and Birdman, uh, which of course won Oscars. So major, major player when it comes to like kind of the front end and and basically helping to get some of these films made. So to give you an idea, Brent Ratner, uh, some revelations have come forward and allegations that basically either sexual assault or sexual harassment. And um, Warner Brothers is of course taking this very seriously. And they've actually have decided that they're going to part ways uh, with their relationship with uh, at least Brent Ratner. We don't know what that means with what Rat Pack, you know, what 
whatever might happen with Ravhack. We don't know what that's going to be at this point. I mean, I guess that's still, you know, to be determined. Yeah, now they're still planning on releasing five films that Rat Pack helped to finance. Um, that would include Justice League and even Ready Player One that comes out next uh, March. So, but they will no longer, Ratner will no longer have a studio space at Warner Brothers Burbank and their first look deal, which recently expired, it will not be renewed. Yeah. So, you know, we've heard some comments from some listeners as well, you know, kind of concerned, you know, how's this going to affect Warner Brothers? And, and I would just basically say, you know, I don't think this is going to affect anything that we're ever going to see. There's plenty of people that want to be involved in financing films. And, uh, you know, if uh, this 25% of the financing goes away, there's going to be somebody else to step in. You know, there's these films are still going to be made. So I don't see there's see that there's going to be any kind of impact. And in fact, uh, there was a Wall Street analyst named Barry Sign who said that if they part ways, talking about Warner Brothers with Rat Pack, you know, they're going to survive. He said Justice League is ready for distribution and the company has a deep slate of talent to step in on future productions. So this is just one of these things where I look at this and, you know, I'm actually glad that this stuff is coming out because this is one of the things when the Harvey Weinstein stuff started to hit, I just kind of felt like, good, this is going to give people the courage to finally bring this stuff forward and help to keep some of these people in power in check. And these people have enormous power. Yeah. And, you know, with the first look deal, that just means that they got their chance to, that 25% just means they got the first dibs on it. So someone else now will get dibs on it with Rat Pack out of the way. Yeah. So at any rate, uh, this actually also kind of cross paths here with Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot. Now, Gal Gadot was scheduled to present Brett Ratner with the Tree of Life Award for his philanthropic work for Israel. And she actually had pulled out of it. And at the time, it was like, well, maybe it's because of the uh, all the touring with uh, the Just League tour over in China and over now over in Europe right now. So Patty Jenkins had actually stepped in to give the award. And she had actually never really had done a lot with Ratner. Well, once these allegations came out, she posted this on Twitter. And I'm going to go ahead and read it because I think there's a lot of good things said here. I'm extremely distressed to read these terrible allegations against Brett Ratner. When I spoke of Brett, I spoke of my own experiences with him, which were not these at all. I've never witnessed nor been aware of anything that is now being described. To be very clear, I am definitely not okay with this kind of behavior. Sexual harassment and assault are never okay, and I stand with and defend all of the men and women who are revealing these horrific encounters all over this industry and this world. I hope their disclosures bring about real change for all of us, and I am deeply grateful to them for their bravery. So, I mean, very well said. I mean, I think I think this is a sentiment we can all agree with. You know, we want, we hope that out of all these, you know, things that have happened that we get real change and basically make it so that these kind of things are not okay and are not going to be tolerated in the future. And uh, so, and and also for all the people that are coming forward, it's extremely brave of them. And uh, if you have any doubt about that, just go to the Twitter feeds of any of these women who have uh, brought forth these revelations about things that have happened to them. And you can see some of the disgusting comments left uh, against them. So again, I, I think this is a cultural thing that I'm I'm very glad is being addressed. And, and I really do believe it's going to bring about real change. I mean, we've we've heard it in about things in Hollywood. We've heard it with the news organizations. There's some people that have had allegations put against them. I mean, our own president <laughs> has had allegations brought against him. So, you know, it's again, it's people in a position of power. And uh, and I'm just glad to see this wave going forward right now. OK, moving on to some Justice League news that not nearly as important as what we just talked about, but um, annoyed me to some end. I'm, the, the Brett Ratner news uh, disgusts me. This just annoys me. Uh, Danny Elfman was giving an interview with Report Indigo, which I have no idea who this news organization is, and I did not dig into it like I probably should have. But it was a video interview where they were interviewing about his composing for Justice League. And I think they uh, 
the interviewer asked if you were going to hear a new theme for Batman in the film. And uh, I'm just going to read what Elfman said, and then we're going to discuss it. Uh, Elfman said, no, you will not hear a new theme for Batman. You'll hear Batman's theme for Batman. And then the interviewer asked the Hans Zimmer score from the last film. And Elfman said, no, you'll hear Batman's theme. Batman has only had one theme. Your theme, uh, said the interviewer. And then Elfman replied, now, Hans has done some wonderful, very driving, rhythmic stuff. But there's only ever been one theme, and it's Batman's theme. Yes, I used the theme that Hans composed for Wonder Woman, the one that he wrote originally, and used a bit, maybe, from John Williams to Superman. Just maybe we'll have to see it. That last part didn't make any sense to me what Elfman said, but okay. But I'm more interested in his comments about Batman's theme. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start off with saying, and I'm probably gonna, this is going to be somewhat controversial, I was not necessarily jazzed about the Batman theme from Batman v Superman. I will be honest with that. The, the, you know, I'm not, and I'm not talking about beautiful lie. I'm talking about the dun, 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 which was basically what was Batman's theme that showed up throughout the film. But would you really consider that a theme? It was the, it was the, it, it was at least the motif that played. Sure. Yeah. I never considered that a theme. Right, well, you know, it, it was the closest thing to a theme that Batman had in Batman v Superman. Right. I would agree with that. But it, I, I never considered it to be like a theme, you know, kind of like how Flight was for Superman. I know. But, but what I'm saying is that as far as Batman v Superman, and I think that's kind of the, the conversation about Batman v Superman is that as far as Batman having a theme goes, that was about as close as you got. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, besides Beautiful Lie, which is a beautiful piece of music, but I didn't really think of it as a theme for Batman. Uh, so I was not ter- while I, while you can go back in the episode when we first talked about Elfman, um, that I was not thrilled about the idea of him bringing back the 89 Batman theme because I felt like that was that theme for that Batman. Uh, I was still okay. I wasn't going to be terribly shocked if they came up with some new thematic material for Batman for Justice League, just because like you were saying, there really wasn't much in Batman v Superman for Batman, but listening, watching the video of this interview was it really got under my skin but he is so freaking <laughs> egotistical. He's very smug. <laughs> I am, yes, yeah, smug is a great word. It's like, there's only been one theme, and it's Batman's theme. No, no, that's Danny, not true. <laughs> that's not true. There was a 66 theme I remember quite well. Which I think is more memorable than anything, quite honestly. Uh, I would I would agree with that. I think more people would recognize the 66 theme than he would even recognize Danny's theme. And I, I thought Hans had some wonderful thematic material in the Dark Knight trilogy with Christopher for Nolan. Absolutely, yeah. So I just, I was just kind of agog at the uh, the egotism of saying that Batman only has one theme and obviously that means it's my theme. And I'm just like, whoa, dude. Back the truck up. Yeah. I was wow. I was really kind of taken aback by this as well. I mean, I, when I first saw the headlines, I was like, like okay, uh, it's obviously kind of being blown out of proportion. And then I actually watched the interview and then I'm like, nope, it wasn't. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Not at all. For once, for once, the clickbait was completely accurate. <laughs> uh, and this is the issue I had. And back and back when we talked about this, Scott, it's like I'm not the biggest Elfman fan. I I appreciate his music. I I like it. It's not my personal favorite. I much more prefer Hans Zimmer's uh, music. But that's just my taste, you know. I mean, I'm sure Elfman is just very much loved by a lot of people, and there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just talking about what my tastes are. My biggest issue has always been, you know, with Zack Snyder's trilogy. I wanted to see kind of a continuation of that 
type of feel that you get with the score between the three films. And, you know, there was quite a bit of harmonization between Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. And I just wanted, I wanted that to kind of be complete. And so that was always my reservation with having Danny Elfman come in. If Danny Elfman had been composing the music for Zack Snyder for this trilogy from the start, I'm sure I would be pretty much fine with it. You know, it may not be exactly my favorite. It's not going to create these big emotional feelings that I get when I listen to Hans Zimmer. Uh, But I'm sure it would have felt fine with what, you know, we'd be doing with this trilogy. And again, so my issue has always been, I just don't want, I don't want a discontinuation of that feel that we get. It sounds like we're going to get that, unfortunately. I mean, that's, that's the thing that bugs me. Like I said, it's his attitude about it that really just rides all over me. Yeah. And and this is so, and, and once again, this is a guy coming, this is coming from a guy who the 1989 Batman theme is my ringtone on my phone. I mean, I do not have anything against the theme. Once again, it's my freaking ringtone. But this isn't that Batman. I mean, even though it, the theme was even used in a slightly altered form for the opening credits of Batman the Animated Series, you know, even in the show, as the show went on, Shirley Walker kind of massaged it and made it her own to the point that it almost doesn't even sound like the Elfman theme anymore. Yeah. So it's, I just, Elfman? I'm a fan. I own the complete Elfman collection for Batman and Batman Returns. I love all your Tim Burton stuff, but you you made it hard for me this week. <laughs> you really made it hard for me to really kind of give you any any you know, like support when you're doing this to yourself. Once again, I'm still going to wait to see what it sounds like in the film, you know, but I'm going to admit that on November 10th, when that soundtrack drops on iTunes, I'm going to be a whole lot more hesitant than I was before. I'll, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, same here. And I would just kind of, uh, I, I don't know how much more we need to kind of say about this, because I think you and I are almost in complete agreement on a Scott. I would say this, all of this said, I'm not going to make any prejudgments beyond just some of my initial feelings here. I'm not going to say that I'm going to have ultimately an issue with this. I'm just saying, you know, right now I've got my reservations. Uh, I need to hear this thing in context. I, you know, even just listening to uh, peace by itself isn't really the right way to make a conclusion about this thing. You need to kind of see how this thing plays out in the film. And so I'm going to reserve final judgment for sure when I actually see the film. I mean, I'm not even going to make complete judgment when I hear the score on the 10th as you know, as well. So I'm, you know, I'm still going to give Danny the benefit of the doubt on this and just hope that, uh, you know, he really does mix in the Wonder Woman theme and that, you know, some of the stuff with uh, that what Hans Zimmer did with the Superman theme. And we'll just have to see how this plays out. But I, I can tell you this, <laughs> this interview was one of the, it was such an aggravating interview, honestly. And it was just really a few snippets that I watched and, and just the, just the whole attitude, like, like he did not win any people over with that, that had any kind of reservations. No, he did not. I mean, and he kind of lost, pointing a finger at me, he kind of lost some people who were trying to be in his corner. Yeah. Anyway, so I, that would just be our, my advice to everyone. You know, let's, you know, let's just wait and see and make final judgment when you actually see the completed product. And then the next thing that really kind of grabbed headlines, and I think I really first became aware of it on Tuesday on Halloween, were these quotes from Henry Cavill commenting on the DCEU that were published in The Rake magazine. Now, Tim and I have talked about this kind of offline, trying to parse our way through our thoughts of this quote and gonna be honest with you we're not even really sure <laughs> where we come down on this because there's parts we feel like we grasp and there's other parts that we just go we got nothing uh so we're just gonna read the quote just henry cavill's quote even if marvel didn't exist we'd struggle there was a style there they were going for an attempt to be different and look at things from a slightly different perspective which hasn't necessarily worked yes it has made money but it has not been a critical success it hasn't given everyone that sensation which superheroes should give the viewer. Let's talk about that. 
that. Let's talk about that one first. So it's just basically being honest here. We were doing these films that did not have a style that was working with the critics. Or, and it has not had a broad general appeal. Right. Now, that is 100% accurate. I mean, I, I don't feel like that is Cavill being, I mean, like some of the some of the headlines want to say it's a knock against the DCEU or it's an insult to Zack Snyder or anything like that. I mean, he's just stating facts. No, it has not been a critical success. No, it has not appealed to everyone. That is true. And so basically, Henry was just saying it hasn't necessarily worked. And just to be clear, he clarifies what he meant by that with the very next sentences. It has not been a critical success. And it hasn't it hasn't appealed to everybody. Yeah. So in my mind, when he says, which hasn't necessarily worked, the next two sentences is him defining what he means by it hasn't worked. Okay. Yeah. So I think we agree with that. I mean, I think he's he's basically stating the facts. There's, yeah. there's nothing. I have no issue with those quotes whatsoever. Okay. So then the next chunk was him talking about Wonder Woman. I think it's a wonderful time for a female superhero. It is the perfect setting in social politics right now. We need it. We want that perspective. And Wonder Woman has struck at the ideal time and has become a phenomenal success, which is fantastic. Any success within the superhero universe, especially within the DC universe, is wonderful because I want to keep telling the Superman story. Selfishly, that works for me. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So nothing wrong with that as well. Uh, It's a wonderful time for a female hero. I mean, I think we all agree with that. We're all extremely happy with the success of Wonder Woman. And his hope here is that it also allows us to keep telling the Superman story. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, because he enjoys playing Superman. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. This last chunk is where Tim and I are struggling. Um, It says, I feel like now the right mistakes have been made and they haven't been pandered. And we can start telling the stories in the way they need to be told. It is even better to come back from a mistake or stylistic error into the correct vein because it will make it seem that much stronger. Wonder Woman was the first step in the right direction. Yeah, this one I struggle with. Yeah. So I I still, and Scott and I were, like we said, we were talking offline. We were trying to understand exactly what what Henry was really trying to say here because we're essentially kind of having to read between the lines here. And if you you just kind of take these words in isolation, I think that's where people start getting a little freaked out on this. Like I said, we're trying to figure out exactly the point he was trying to make. I mean, there's one part where, okay, I think it's pretty clear. When he talks about it's better to come back from a mistake or stylistic error into the correct vein because it will make it seem that much stronger. He's basically saying, you know, if uh, if these things weren't working for whatever reason. Which he t- which he goes back, go backing up to the top of his quote. What does he mean by not working? He means not appealing to the critics and not having a broad general appeal. Right. He said if, if you basically bring those things back into the correct vein, it will make it seem that much stronger. I, I don't disagree with that point because in talking about um, what Zack Snyder has been doing with this trilogy here, it's it's a clearly a deconstruction of our heroes. Uh, you saw it with Man of Steel. You saw it with Batman v Superman. You, know, you basically brought these heroes to the lowest of low points and it was always going to be an upward track from that point on. And that's what Justice League was going to be. And so, and I think that's going to make the kind of like the heroic storylines of these heroes going forward that much stronger because there is a reference point. There was like the lowest of low point where you essentially had Batman versus Superman. And I think the point there that he makes there makes sense. But I think the issue we have is we're trying to understand what was Henry talking about exactly when he talks about how the right mistakes have been made. And they haven't been pandered. I, I don't know what he means by that. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. And, and the problem is we don't. We're not going to be able to because this is all we've got. Yeah. Uh, un- unless some story gets published later or in an interview, someone asks Henry what he meant and he has the opportunity to clarify his comments. If this is all we 
we've got right now, we got nothing on that last part. Yeah. So, and Andy talked about Wonder Woman was a, the first step in the right direction. I mean, I mean, Wonder Woman is really the first step in critical success for the DCEU. Let's be let's be honest here. Um, you right. Know, it wasn't it wasn't my favorite film that has been in the DCEU. It's not yours either, as a matter of fact. No, it's not. Yeah, I actually rate it as my third favorite DCEU film. Me too. Yeah, because I think I think you and I are both. Which one do you have for number one? Uh, so I think I settled on. I think I eventually settled on Batman v Superman as number one, the Ultimate Edition. Yeah, the Ultimate Edition. Yes. So you and I have the same rankings: BVS, Ultimate Edition, Men of Steel, Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think um so I think for one thing he's kind of talking about critical success and mass appeal. That's a step in the right direction. That's what Wonder Woman had. I think it also is the first film to kind of go beyond the most deconstructed point of the DCEU, which was Batman v Superman. Everything is going to be kind of uphill from there. You know, that was the lowest of low points. And so Wonder Woman was that first film. Uh, Justice League will be that next film that's kind of like, you know, rising up from the ashes. So I totally understand and I agree with what he was saying there. So it still goes back to that first (laughs) sentence with Henry. I just don't know what he was getting at there. Yeah. Okay. We ain't going to solve the world's problems tonight. That's all I got to say. All right. So let's move on. Uh, So Justice League, just around the corner, Scott, a couple more posters came out this week that I really liked. Uh, The first one was the Regal Cinemas one that I think actually came out last week, but we didn't talk about it. But this is a great, it's almost like a, what would you call that art style that we had from like the World War II era? Uh, I'm not, I don't know what it's called. I don't know what it's called either. Um, Because it's not quite art. Is it kind of art deco? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So, but just a great little poster. Um, You know, we're not going to spend any more time on it, but if just go look up the Regal Cinemas uh, Justice League poster, it's it's a cool little poster. Uh, The next one that I really liked was a special one that they had basically commissioned for Dia de los Muertos. And this came out of Warner Brothers Latino. And it's a Day of the Dead poster. And it, it basically took the uh, the five Justice Leaguers and kind of overlaid their faces with, you know, the, the typical kind of makeup you would see for the celebration for Dia de los Muertos. That's a great looking poster as well. Uh, so I, I, again, I just really like this real surgical strike kind of targeting that they've been doing with uh, their marketing here. And then, uh, as you guys know, it's it's Batman week. As, you know, every week they've been doing a new Justice Leaguer and just kind of highlighting it. So we had a new Batman motion poster. We had a little comic book origins featurette of Batman. Uh, we also had some additional footage as well. Uh, we have this little AT&T footage with, uh, with Batman as well. Which I haven't seen. I haven't seen any of this footage. Nope. I know you haven't seen any of them. <laughs> I'm in blackout mode. Yes, you are in blackout mode. And then there's also a, a clip that seemed to be officially released overseas. And I don't remember seeing it released anywhere here uh, in the United States, but I ended up watching it. It's about a minute clip from a scene from Justice League. And I know you haven't seen it, Scott, but it just looks glorious. <laughs> well, you know what? It's going to look great on my IMAX screen. That's all I got to say. It's, it's going to look great. And the one thing I did kind of notice in it, there was a line that we've seen in previous trailers, and it was the one where Cyborg's in, I guess it's the Nightcrawler. And he says, thanks, Alfred. I'll take it from here. We get slightly different wording and dialogue used from Ray Fisher's Cyborg. And not only that, we get a, a bit more emotion. That was the one thing that I felt was a little bit too robotic with Ray Fisher's portrayal of Cyborg was the delivery of that line and his facial expressions were were kind of bland. And that's definitely kind of turned around in that. So that was kind of encouraging. So I don't know if it was a, a different take or if that might have been something that they reshot to try to, you know, put a little more the emotional side into it. I was pretty pleased to see that. I know it's real minor, but uh, it was just it was just a small little touch to to put a little bit more emotion into that scene. Well, I mean, it, it, but you know, those little alternate takes make a difference. And they and they did say that during the additional photography, one of the big things they 
they did was trying to lighten up Cyborg's character. Yeah. So that might have been part of additional photography. Yeah. Or like you said, it might have just been a alternate take that because of the reshoots, they said, oh, we're going to use this take instead. Yeah. So anyway, oh, man, it, it uh, I, I, I wish we could talk about the clip right now, Scott, because it's just a it's a really fun clip. No. Bad Tim. Bad Tim. No, no talk. I'm no not talk. making you. I'm not making you talk about it. And I, I won't mention, you know, the ambush bug uh, cameo. Oh, shoot. So anyway. <laughs> I, I, all I know is that I've already heard enough of uh, Andy DiGenova talking about the Blue Devil cameo. So I just. Yes. Oh, I was supposed to say that. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll cut this thing out. OK. Little Jason Momoa news. Now, actually, over. It actually happened like a two to three weeks ago, I think. Jason Momoa actually got married, which was news to me because I had all this time thought he was actually married to, to Lisa Bonet. And uh, so apparently they've always called themselves as being married, but they've never actually physically been married. <laughs> so so anyway, congratulations to them. They've have actually, uh, have actually tied the knot here. Now, on to some uh, Shazam news. Our good old friend James Gunn was back on Twitter a couple of days after his last tweet. Uh, and this time it was actually on Halloween. And uh, he, <laughs> once again, he just he gets gets straight to the, the story. Fan sites. Zachary Levi calling Shazam the original Captain Marvel is not throwing shade at Marvel. He is the original Captain Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I actually was commissioned by Brent over at Fans Without Borders to do a little um, talk about why Shazam slash Captain Marvel is the original Captain Marvel. And I decided to share a little bit of that information here on the show with Tim's permission. But just to make it really clear, uh, Captain Marvel, uh, as published by Fawcett Comics, first appeared in uh, 1941, sometime between 1939 and 1941. Uh, he actually was outselling Superman for most of the 1940s. But Fawcett had to ceased publication of Captain Marvel in 1953 following an 11-year lawsuit from National Comics, otherwise known as DC Comics, alleging that Captain Marvel was a copyright infringement of Superman. Well, once Fawcett stopped publishing Captain Marvel, Marvel Comics later introduced a character named Captain Marvel in 1967, thus gaining the trademark of the name. So, to retain the trademark, Marvel's been publishing a Captain Marvel series every year or two since 1967, so there's been like seven different Captain Marvels from Marvel Comics. Well, then in 1972, DC licensed the Marvel family from Fawcett and started publishing them again. But because Marvel had that trademark in that 14-year gap while there was no publication, they had to call the comic books Shazam. DC publisher at the time, Carmine Infantino, even tried to subtitle the Shazam book, the original Captain Marvel, but received a cease and desist letter from Marvel because, once again, they owned the trademark at the time, and thus had to change the subtitle to The World's Mightiest Mortal in 1974. DC then required full rights to the characters in 1991, and then in 2011, as part of the New 52, they officially renamed Captain Marvel as Shazam, because for the last 30, 40 years, all their books and all their marketing said Shazam, and so people just thought that was the name of the character. And so DC just kind of went, okay, we'll just call him Shazam, because that's what everyone thinks his name is anyway. And Which is kind of funny, because, I mean, every time I've ever seen Captain Marvel or Shazam, whatever you want to call him. I mostly knew him as Captain Marvel because even though the cover might say Shazam or it might say Power of Shazam, it, within the book itself, he was always referred to as Captain Marvel. Yes. And yes. so it, it's always been so curious to me, like how Timely Comics, or I guess Marvel, was able to basically kind of steal that away from Fawcett. And so this kind of like gives a little bit of an explanation about why that was able to happen. Yeah, exactly. Well, when you haven't used the character in 14 years... I mean, the trademark is, you know, it's expired. So they were able to 
run in and grab it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so interesting. And so uh, we actually have <laughs> these two films. We have the the DC Shazam film, Captain Marvel, actually coming out in what was the date? It was in April eighth. April nine. Uh, April what was it? April fifteenth or yeah, early know. early April. Early April of two thousand nineteen. Yeah, and Marvel's Captain Marvel is coming out uh, less than a month earlier. Yeah, like in Mar- March of two thousand nineteen. Yeah, so so that's that's going to be pretty interesting. The only thing I hope to see here is I just hope David Sandberg does something within the film to just kind of poke fun at this whole idea of, of there being two different Captain Marvels. Yeah, uh, just the same way that Zachary Levi did say the original Captain Marvel in his Instagram post, yeah. which he's correct. I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah. But once again, James Gunn being the adult in the room. So um, yes. again, I'm so thankful for him just kind of stepping into this, you know, into the fan community here and saying, come on, guys, just stop it. Yes, stop it. Um, and then some more exciting news. The rap first revealed that Mark Strong is apparently in talks to play Dr. Savannah in Shazam, which would be awesome. Oh, that's, I'm so happy to see that because Mark Strong was so phenomenal in the Green Lantern film. I mean, that was he was so he was so underutilized in the Green Lantern film. That was the problem. That was the problem. But he was great. He was fantastic. And and for him to, you know, potentially be up for a role in this film is like, oh, this has got me excited. I, I hope it oh, I hope it happens. By the way, if you haven't seen the Green Lantern movie, he played Sinestro. Let that settle and let that sink in for a minute. He was great as Sinestro. He was. He just wasn't in the movie enough. Right, right. So good news there. Uh, there's also been some other casting. We have Grace Fulton. She's in negotiations reportedly to join Shazam and she's probably going to be one of Billy Batson's friends and she was actually most recently working with David Sandberg in Annabelle Creation. So she's kind of like the te- late teen type of age uh, it looks like is what they would probably go for. Uh, so uh, just some more casting news there. Yeah. A little flashpoint news. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was on Jimmy Kimmel Live and at one point Jimmy Kimmel asked him about playing you know the flashpoint Batman <laughs> in the movie and um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan gave a look and didn't say anything and gulped and gulped <laughs> and, the Jer- and then of course Jimmy Kimmel was like I think you told us something and Jeffrey Dean Morgan's comment was I haven't told you shit. so <laughs> Yeah. So it was just great watch. I mean, I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah. I, you know, Supernatural, Watchmen, right. Walking Dead. I mean, the man's a joy to watch. But just watch him like potentially squirm and then play it off in a very coy manner was very entertaining. Well, and that's what I love about Jimmy Kimmel too. Like Jimmy Kimmel has such a good way of like knowing things to kind of make his guests, you know, squirm a little bit and kind of put him that edge where he knows they can't say anything, he knows they can't reveal anything, and he just kind of pushes it a little bit. Oh, it's it's great. It's it's a joy to watch. But I mean, the other thing I love too is like Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I love the idea that he fully is aware of the Flashpoint storyline and what's all involved in it. And he just like, I kind of feel like he kind of tipped his hand a little bit here. Yeah, yeah. But come on. You know they're not going to do a Flashpoint movie and not put him as Flashpoint Batman. That yeah, just, I know, I know. just would not happen. Well, I'm just, I mean, I'm still kind of surprised that they would even go down the Flashpoint route. But man, why not? You know, why, why not? not? They're, they're, they're doing it. They're basically doing it on the TV flash right now. No, no, that was that was last season. But what I'm saying is they're they're basically doing that type of a storyline, you know, today. And so it's like, you know, so maybe, you know, maybe they like, you know, we always kind of talk about how some of these other mediums are like good testing grounds for ideas for the big screen. And it just seems like, you know, they're they're gonna like, yeah, we could do this. We could pull this thing off. As long as you can kind of like prove it doesn't like throw off a whole group of fans, then you know, it seems like they're just willing to take a lot more risks nowadays. Yeah. And then Justin Crawl was over on the Meet the Movie 
Movie Press podcast, and he was reporting on a rumor that he's heard that Warner Brothers has slowed down their Flashpoint director search because they're waiting to see how successful Justice League is. Okay, well, I can believe that. I mean, what's the, it's, a, it's a rumor, but, you know, it sound, makes, makes business sense to me. Yeah, and speaking of the success of Justice League, now, a, a bunch of critics have actually seen the film, and they're under the an embargo right now that they can't give any reactions or any kind of reviews of the film. Now, uh, with that embargo, some people that have seen the film have not given any reactions, but they've really skirted that edge. <laughs> and I know you've been ad- adverse to knowing any of these reactions and all that, and I wouldn't even call these reactions, but basically some of the people that had seen it, they have responded that I cannot wait to talk about Justice League. So all caps, that kind of thing. So it's the indications are that they're going to have some positive things to say about this thing. So we're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah, but can, can I can I, I rain on your parade a little bit? Absolutely. Uh, Andrew Dice, who I believe contributes to Screen Rant, if I'm not mistaken, he said, I'll hold your role on that because let's just remember how delighted the critics seem to want to tear Batman v Superman to shreds. So their enthusiasm could be <laughs> for a more menacing reason. So let's not, you know, let's not get too excited by what the critics have to say about this movie. Once again, I could give a crap what the critics have to say about this movie because I'm still going to go see it twice that weekend at least. So, you know, just, I'm sorry, usually I'm the little cloud of sunshine. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm a little black rain cloud. Yeah. So little news on Black Adam. So according to the tracking board, they've got this exclusive that Adam... Is this Mixie as Pitalik? What is this? <laughs> yeah. Sistikil. Kill Tipsy Sim. <laughs> it's Adam Sistikil. I apologize, Adam, if I'm butchering your name, but uh, apparently is in negotiations to write the screenplay for the Black Adam film, which is going to star Dwayne Johnson. Um, so I won't say any more about this thing because it's just a, it's just a little bit of news that somebody's in negotiations. But at least it, you know, at least it's good to hear that something's happening. Exactly. And you're having a wonderful time with names tonight. Yes, I am. I definitely am. <laughs> um, and it is official as of this week. Week, Wonder Woman is now the highest grossing superhero origin film of all time, not adjusted for inflation. Yeah. Um, and, and you're like, wait a minute, you already reported that. Yeah, but now it's... Domestically. Dom- it would Domestically, but now the worldwide numbers finally beat Spider-Man from 2002 with it with a box office of topping $821.74 million. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the reason it's taken this long to kind of like fully make that confirmed is a lot of these international seats take a little while to fully get accounted for and, and to come in. And we've always said that, you know, there's always a lag with international. You know, it's it's not a lot of these numbers just will maybe come in like a month or two later before they're final. And so uh, the other thing with this, too, there's going to be some additional screenings of Wonder Woman prior to Justice League. Right. And those those double features. All right. And the last little bit of news. It's kind of fun for me. Um, there's a new animated movie coming out direct to video in January of 2018. It is Scooby-Doo and Batman the Brave and the Bold. I am weirdly excited about this film simply because I did grow up enjoying Scooby-Doo and I love Batman the Brave and the Bold. It is such a charming version of an animated Batman and it and you know Batman and Scooby-Doo have teamed up before like back in like the Super Friend days mm-hmm. and they're bringing back the entire original voice cast from Batman the Brave and the Bold and I, I'm looking forward to I will be buying this needless to say. Oh absolutely. And they've been doing a lot in the comics as well. There's been a lot of 
crossovers. If you look at some of the Scooby-Doo comics, uh, they've been having some of the DC characters kind of show up in there as well. So, you know, of course, all Time Warner properties. Of course, of course. But yeah, this will this will be kind of a fun one. I think these are uh, these are ridiculously fun <laughs> when you get these kind of little crossovers. Because yeah, I mean, like you, you know, I had lots of love watching Scooby-Doo as a kid, n- not really fully understanding all the uh, uh, basically the 60s and 70s drug culture references. <laughs> oh, you better believe it. <laughs> but this is going to be quite fun, I would imagine. All right. Well, that's it for this week's podcast. And um, we want to thank you guys so much for listening. We are two weeks from Justice League, guys. Yes. Oh, man, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so, guys, if you want to reach out and contact us, you can reach us at Twitter, at Suicide Squadcast. You can reach me on Twitter, at Alan Fire. And you can reach me at ScottDC27 on Twitter. And you can email the show at SuicideSquadcast at gmail.com. You can also donate our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash squadcastmedia. And we are on the web um, at www.suicidesquadcast.com, on Facebook, on YouTube. Check us out. Please do not hesitate to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. So, guys, we're going to go ahead and call this one a night, two weeks away. And what do we want to say to our listeners in the meantime? Keep reading, DC. Yes, keep yourselves busy. See you guys. So, Scott, with this new show that you guys are doing for your patrons-only feed, it's called Movie Squadcast. Are you going to be doing, like, a new kind of intro theme? No, you will not hear a new intro theme. You know, there's – you will hear the Squadcast theme. You, you mean, you mean like, the, the new one that we had? Or is it going to be a new theme uh, based on that, or what? what is it going to be? No, 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 no. You will only hear one Squadcast theme. There has only been one Suicide Squadcast theme. Our theme. Oh. Isn't that right, Danny? Okay, we're blowing up Elfman, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. We're we blowing up Elfman. What's the matter with you? You even have to ask <laughs> I, that. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just making sure that you haven't lost your mind. I haven't lost my mind. Come on, man.